everyone says hybrid's not new, virtual's not new, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but it's changed significantly. Great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. I'm Brock. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hello, everyone. What's going on in the wide, wide world of events? All right. Wanted to throw out a kind of an interesting topic here related to video marketing. So not necessarily events or events marketing, but video marketing and that influence that it's having on our event programs. I think the the big picture here is that in this new digital landscape that we're all living in, we're just seeing a ton of captured content. But we've noticed that a lot of event planners, a lot of event marketers aren't necessarily thinking about how that could integrate or feed into these bigger picture trends that we're seeing in video marketing. We pulled just a couple of stats here just to get the conversation started from a tech blog that we read. Since 2019, an average user has watched above 100 minutes of video content per day. That's one stat. That's even exploding even more in 2021. About 86% of businesses said that they were using videos as an important marketing tool. And at the same time, 93% of them believe it's a critical part of every marketing strategy, not just your event strategy. Research has also found that 84% of consumers used to be convinced to purchase after watching a video. And lastly, video content is going to account for about 82% of overall internet traffic in 2022. So massive explosion in the video marketing space. So first question to you, Paulina, is we're seeing all these trends laid out here. How is that influencing what you're doing from a production standpoint for an event like, let's say, oh, C-Event Connect, what are we doing in terms of preparing for this explosion of video in our our marketing strategy? We have taken inspiration from a variety of you know industries, sectors, consumption channels to inspire how our production strategy comes to life on site or virtually. And taking it back to 2020, Alyssa, you and I did a bunch of call it reconnaissance on what do successful live television shows, late night shows do that separate what that traditional event production experience was that really entices the virtual audience. We're still obviously tapping into those inspirational channels, but for us, it's also a matter of showcase. We want to make sure that our attendees, our customers are seeing the variety of options available to them because it isn't a one-size-fits-all production strategy for every event. And so a lot of that is channeling, you know, what is our low budget value options? What are our high dollar investment opportunities? And then all of the, you know, opportunity in between. So for us, our general session experiences, our inspirational thought leadership type content, all of that is going to be live streamed from in Vegas to our virtual attendees. It's going to be really complex, comprehensive layers and levels of production. Rach and I were on a call last week with a couple other team members, and we're talking about, okay, let's actually have a live studio audience in some of these sessions where you actually have someone on headset with the clicker that says, okay, action, right? So we're getting the audience involved that's on site. And I think there's some kind of 
nostalgic opportunity that we can tap into for the virtual audience, right? When they see a live audience in session or hear the live audience in session, it's going to tap into some other engagement opportunities. So live streaming, a big component for our production strategy. I know I had made the recommendation for one of the sessions that we're going to do. It's a like a debate format and trying to lean into some of the uh, production strategies that you might see for like a political debate. So not necessarily even having your speakers present or you have a speaker that's present in like almost a satellite location, a moderator type position so that we're leaning into what you were saying that what we saw in 2020 was understanding what makes an engaging session or an engaging experience that would then translate to a better, you know, video asset after the fact, or even during, right, a a better live stream experience overall. Yeah. I mean, I love the concept of letting different formats also take shape in the live stream production strategy. I mean, we're also taking into consideration speaker strengths too, right? Your keynote speakers, main stage speakers are polished. They do this for a living. And then, you know, we have some other people who are used to a traditional breakout experience. So making sure the tech also fits the needs of the content and the speaker, obviously wanting to make them feel comfortable and not overwhelmed. And then, okay, so the other two layers of production that we're looking into offering are in-person to on-demand. So as an in-person attendee, you can think of this as a traditional breakout experience. What's uniquely different is that we have a camera in the back of the room, we have an audiovisual technician, and together we're capturing that live video and live content in the room packaging it up after the fact, light post-production editing, and then making it available for consumption virtually for both our virtual attendees the next day or for our in-person attendees to tap back into that content when they've returned back home. So really talking about the extension of reach the shelf life of the content, not just being within those live in-person event days. And then the third type is our pre-recorded simulive type of session content where, you know, we're leveraging this event studio and producing these sessions similar to this podcast, a a little more um, advanced in terms of what we're able to see, unique templates, lower thirds, activating on sort of those unique layers to the content on screen is certainly something that we're thinking about for our, our strategy. And we are toying with doing live virtual sessions as well. So that's like a fourth 3.5 layer of our production strategy for Connect. There's so many different layers. <laughs> I know, Rachel, the biggest, an onion. the biggest one is also Cvent Connect TV, but that's Rachel's baby. So I'll let her jump in on that. By the way, it's called a clapperboard when they yelp, action, click, whatever. That's the fun fact from this podcast That's the today. Fun <laughs> fact if you want to Google that bad boy. So I think the other thing we're, we're trying to keep in mind this year, some of the learnings that we took from previous years, obviously recording a session and then posting it online is not new, but we are having pre-cons, pre-meetings with some of the producers in the room, the camera people, the graphic ops people to make sure what they're capturing in the room is actually good for the people online. Similar to what Pauline was saying about us trying out some different things like yelling action in the room for the live sessions, even for the pre-recorded ones, looking at like what that run of show looks like and maybe don't film a room full of empty seats so that the virtual audience doesn't feel like nothing's really going on or using that 
video content to have multiple camera angles do film the audience if there's a lot of interactive source of nature of that of that particular breakout so that people feel like the FOMO of the room. I think that that's super important to capture that because otherwise you're just bored to freaking tears just looking at PowerPoint face, PowerPoint face, um, and staying in that same kind of mindset that we've always been in. One fun fact, I was at an event last week in Denver and one of the keynote speakers on on the stage said what I've said for like my entire life is like, don't get left behind. And I think that's something that's really important for event planners to remember in this production. Like everyone says, hybrid's not new, virtual's not new, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but it's changed significantly and you need to kind of go with that flow of those trends and don't get left behind. And one of the ways to do that is to to really think through the different experiences and what's going to be engaging. And that's where video comes in so much to what we're doing in events because the way we click through things on social media has kind of changed our behavior. Netflix TV shows have changed our behavior in what people have done from a hybrid and virtual perspective. I think the the last piece of content that we're really striving to start now is is this Connect TV segment. And I like to say, I mean, Paulina, we're trying to make everything like a TV segment. Obviously, you can't for longer keynote sessions, but you can weave in some cool things like putting up videos. There's a lot of keynote speakers that come and they say, oh, I'm just going to get up there and talk. And what we're trying to do with those types of people is say, are there any photos you can show or any like past footage? If you're a famous runner coming to speak at Connect this year, we want to ask and get footage of past things that she's done up there so that it isn't just talking the whole time. It's more interactive. So people have more to look at than just like a fireside chat, which everybody is so used to seeing. So, you know, as part of that, like TV culture uh, or connect TV or whatever sorts of segments you're trying to do, some of the things that we're brainstorming this year is, I know this is so dumb, but like changing up just what the set looks like, literally just taking a couch, moving it around, taking the host and taking them around the conference so that it's not just the static desk the whole time and trying to weave in some of those behind the scenes moments, weaving in commercials in between. I mean, I could go on and on with what you could put in between all these different things. But for me, something like keeping TV in mind is the short segments, like hot seat interviews, make it Ted, but make it shorter is what I I keep telling myself, like make it hard hitting where you get a little bit of the fun, you get a little bit of the meat of the topic, and then you move on to something else or you show a video or you show photos of what that person's done so that you're engaging the people that have this very squirrel-like mentality of watching something (laughs) else, you know? We were talking earlier before we started recording about the influence of TikTok on just video marketing or just like our ability to consume content. And it's definitely a driving force where like we all want something that's very quick hitting that's influencing our attention spans a little bit, or maybe TikTok is already caught up to what our attention spans are. But I find that really interesting is the influence of social media on our event programs. We're shortening up formats. We're shortening up content application. Something that I found really interesting about what you guys we're just talking about is just this kind of acknowledgement of a, a dual experience or like a duality was the word that kind of kept coming to mind for me is that you guys are thinking about, okay, we've got different needs. We have different audiences. We have different applications. And so you're thinking about intent or purpose of all of the content that we're capturing and what's the best way to engage with an audience, whether that is in person or whether that is in person and virtual or whether it's just virtual. And then you're changing up 
the settings, the set design, the experience for both or the, the delivery mechanism so that the experience is engaging for all of those parties. I think Connect TV is a really good example of that where you're mindful of the virtual audience first. They're the priority in that experience because that digital experience is the the important one because they're the ones who are consuming that content first, or that's the intended format. I think there's also another layer to it, which is something that we've just started kind of tapping into, but there are layers of accessibility and you can create those as sort of revenue drivers. You can create them as opportunities to have a broader audience. And so for us, it's also distinguishing what what's the most valuable type of experience or content and is there a number you can put on it? to justify a potential experiential price, right? Netflix and other streaming providers are increasing their rates. This is an opportunity to go back to that traditional event registration experience and say, all right, we used to charge X for this one type of experience. Now we're offering however many unique experiences across one event. How do we create value propositions across different consumption channels? That's certainly something I'm really interested in as we continue to navigate up-leveling that virtual offering. Okay, that's a good segue. So I wanted to talk about what happens with all this content that we generate. Obviously, we're talking live right now, the production, the capture, but then what happens with all of that stuff after the fact? There's a lot more different channels, to tap into that word that you were saying, Paulina, where we can post this information. So are you guys thinking about that too, is the longevity of the content, the duration, the relevancy of the content that we create? Here's a like a very personal fact about me is like you put so much time and energy into these events and they become your heart and soul and you work so closely with the content folks and then the event happens and then it's over and then I would cry at the end of every event because I was like, I just had so much adrenaline running through me. I poured so much blood, sweat and tears into this and then what did we do next? Like we, we just had that and then it disappeared. I think that the beauty of this is that, I mean, Paulina said at the beginning, just like we can use that now. I don't know. Some pet peeves of event professionals might also be you have like hours and hours and hours of B-roll from these videographers that you hire and then you get like a 30-second video at the end. You're like, damn, we could have done so much more with that. (laughs) That's interesting. Are you finding that we're having to work with more post-production teams to execute on that post-engagement plan? It also starts just creating these layers or lines of rules of engagement. It's like, okay, what is light post-production? What is heavy post-production? And how do we start to dictate what's acceptable to be loaded for on-demand consumption? What can be repurposed and recut in unique ways for a webinar series or a vlog or something? So I feel like there's all these other sort of cuts of looking at post-pro that we need to start to define and attribute to different channels, if you will, of how we leverage the conference content. I think that's phase two and in, in kind of getting through all of this is is really creating rules of engagement because post-production, it, I mean, we've learned over the last two years, it is a bear. And, you know, to be an editor, you have to have the patience of, I don't even know. It's a different skill set, right? Like, And it's a different, I mean, it's not like we're suggesting a, a, a marketer or a planner do that. It's just an expansion of the roles and responsibilities that are required for events now. I think it comes to down to event design too prior, like Paulina and, and you, Alyssa, you guys spend a lot of time on thinking really, really deeply about what's going to work for what audience, what's going to be good after the fact to watch, because maybe a workshop with 
20 people isn't going to be something that someone's going to want to watch online later. It's just boring as hell. Like, why would I want to log into that? Maybe it's also thinking through like, so the, the videographer thing, keep that separate for a second, because that's kind of like you need to understand what your vision is for what they want to do later, whether that's a customer testimonial or man on the street that you're filming, whether that's I want to kick ass video from my party. You have to make that list for them. Otherwise, I, I've had this happen many times when we end the event. And I'm like, did you film the sponsor doing the thing, the cool thing that they were supposed to do? And then they didn't because we either didn't tell them to or they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think the other thing thing, you know, afterwards is obviously you can keep it on your platform for as long as you want, but make sure that it's still relevant. I mean, some of the stuff might not be relevant six months from now. In 2020, we were only talking about virtual. Now we're talking about more than just that. It might not be relevant in a year. So having that like plan ahead of time as you're doing the agenda, I think is really, really crucial. I mean, you guys could definitely speak to this more than I can because you're the masterminds, but I think having that plan and then having a post-production, whether it's having it on YouTube after your event closes, having it somewhere on your website, but then also having it somewhere easily accessible for your sales team or your client success team or whoever is talking to the people that need to watch these things and make sure that they can actually like have ease of access to that because a lot of times they'll be like, wait, you guys did a session on the tech trends of 2020. Where does that live? And just knowing that and having that plan, I think is super, super important for your events. Yeah, I think one of the like really incredible examples of organization that's doing this right is Salesforce. I mean, that's one that I look to a lot for inspiration. I just think they have a pretty incredible events program, event marketing strategy at large. They really, really heavily focus on events. But when they did the Dreamforce last year, they launched in conjunction with that this kind of streaming experience called Salesforce Plus. So there was this very purposeful use and application of the content that they were generating out of the Dreamforce experience and directly influencing or putting it into this kind of media landing page or this media experience that is still living on today. It is now like kind of their almost branded YouTube. Of, uh, again, they're, they're Salesforce. They're huge. They're creating tons of content, but they clearly see the value of that video capture, that bingeable nature of content, that behavior that people are consuming content under. So I, it's just really interesting. I highly recommend checking that out. It's Salesforce Plus. If you were to Google it right now, it's just a great resource to see what's possible with your content and how it can live on following an event. And Pauline and I have talked a lot about this, this intersection of events and video marketing or just video in general and some of the buzzwords, like using things like episodes instead of sessions, not to overuse the word layer and duality in this conversation, but there's this dual nature of events and videos. And there's an intersection point that I think we can all capitalize on that helps us bring our event content into a longer duration, into a longer engagement season. I feel like, you know, one of the interesting things is traditional event planner. I love the concept of embracing the new, but I also don't want to lose the integrity of what traditional events are, what we're rooted in. And for me, I love the opportunity of the blend of that sort of dual experience, right? So like we have a pre-event session series, whatever you want to call it, but we call them episodes pre-event. But when you join us on site, when you're tuning in virtually, you're watching sessions. And I don't think I could be debated on this at length for sure, but I wouldn't attend an event and say, I'm going to go into an episode. If I'm 
in person, right? And I don't, and I don't know if a virtual attendee would say that those are sort of synonymous terms, but I love having them blend together. But one more thing I kind of wanted to point out as it relates to what do you do with the content afterwards? We talked about this at great length in 2020 and and largely in the beginning of 2021, but having an awareness of your total event program and total marketing program, because the more your events team is looped in with what your webinars are or your global campaigns are, there are opportunities for that sort of consultative experience and say, hey, we've got a great session. It's only got 45 people, but I know it'll tap into this content that you're leveraging for a campaign in the next quarter, right? So I just feel like that's one more opportunity where you can collaborate with other team members without having to hire a new, you know, videographer or animator to generate new content where you can leverage something that's been done within, you know, the last year. That collaboration is so huge. I feel like we have, I mean, I hope other companies took the pandemic and utilize that for something else like of better collaboration, the great shuffle, instead of calling it the great recession or whatever we're calling it, it's kind of the great shuffle. A lot of people discovered new skills. A lot of people did new things. I think we're collaborating with people that we've never collaborated with before. And it's super cool. And there's so much opportunity, especially when it comes to this bigger picture content marketing with the event content, with the event marketing, like all of that kind of coming together I'm sure other companies were already doing this and they're probably like, duh, I feel like we're doing it in such a better way than we have ever in the past. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that that I like to call it that handoff between the event planning function and the marketing function is tighter than ever before. And I think that the video is kind of this glue that's tying it all together, which is really interesting. We all care about this output that we have now. It's a it's a common language we have. All right. Do either of you guys have a, a significant takeaway before we wrap this one up? My one takeaway is, you know, if you're thinking about your production strategy for future events, look for other outlets for inspiration. I know we mentioned we looked at other conferences, we looked at late night TV shows, we looked at masterclass, YouTube sessions. So TikTok is a great inspiration opportunity. So don't find yourself staying to, you know, what's been done or what your competitors are doing. Leverage the opportunity for risk right now. I think that's one of the beautiful things that we have right now. We can try things out and if they work, fantastic. And if they don't, we'll learn from it. I had something very similar to Paulina shocking. We share brain. So, but I think that the thing I said before, don't get it left behind is super relevant to planners right now. And working with that cross collaboration, I think in, in your teams, and even if you have a smaller team cross collaborating, maybe with other departments also. When we were in person in the office, we had a fun tradition of sitting in a room and throwing ideas on a whiteboard. No idea was too dumb. We just wrote them down and it just generated all this cool stuff for our content. We do something similar now with videos, like with Connect TV and with some of the other things that we're we're doing on-site or even virtually with the, the Road to Connect series uh, or the post How We Did It Behind the Scenes series. We brainstorm the hell out of that and we say, what's going to actually be really cool to watch? So I, I would say the brainstorming element is super huge because there's so many cool ideas that you can you know put into your event and there's nothing too silly obviously it just depends on your verticals and who you're trying to go after in your events or what type of attendees you have you obviously can't do a TikTok for uh, <laughs> for maybe like a pharma company of doctors being trained but maybe maybe never say never 
But I would just say keep an open mind and never kind of stop exploring and uh, don't get left behind. Keep saying it because it's so true right now. Yeah, I think my big thing is you don't have to record everything. Like really knowing what your audience needs are. Rachel, you made the point earlier, like maybe the training is not best suited for a recording because people want to learn in person or maybe not. Maybe they do want to learn virtually. But the point being is knowing what your audience is, knowing what that like long-term application for the video is so that you're making the most of your budget, right? We acknowledge that this is adding. This, these are incremental costs to what we were probably previously doing in 2019, including the post-production, post-editing and things like that. So being really intentional and really purposeful about the content that you do capture and knowing what you want to do with it next, whether that is to promote your next event, whether that is to put it into a Salesforce plus like experience, being really, really methodical and mindful about what you do capture so that your budget goes even that much farther, I think is going to be critical for us moving forward. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by Seabun. If you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community.cvent.com. That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents at cvent.com.